Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Let me just go ahead and set the stage. Part 8 of Greater today, titled, Don't Return to Your Own Vomit. Look out. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't vomit on yourself and eat it. Uh Uh-huh. Are y'all excited about this life-giving message that's about to happen? Before I do that, I want to say something real quick. I'm just going to read to you some of the words that God spoke to me this morning. A lot of times he'll tell me, you better type this out because you won't say it a lot of times the way I want you to say it. So I'm going to type it out. The world is telling you to stay home. But I am saying it's time to get back to being excited about seeing your people at the house of God, your fellow folks at the house of God. If you are waiting on the world to get back to saying it is okay, it is not going to happen. Are y'all hearing me? There are people looking for a church that is open and is going to stay open. So it is time for you to start telling people about Solid Rock. It's time for you to stop keeping solid rock to yourself. I know you love your church and all this, and and you love it, praise God, but it is not supposed to be a secret. So every week I am asking you from now on, especially as we move towards Elevate Conference, which is basically in one month, Elevate Month is happening in just a few weeks. In just a few weeks, we are about to be bombarded with five-fold ministry gifts on another level. I'm talking about five Sundays in October. All five Sundays, God is bringing five-fold ministry gifts that, that, that are cover and speak into this life, into this church and into my life, are coming in here in this pulpit to preach. And right in the middle of it is Elevate Conference. Uh, the 13th through the 15th. It's going to be powerful. Bishop Clint Brown, Pastor Miles Rutherford, my God, he is anointed. He is saying some stuff right now, speaking to some of these things that are happening in our world on another level. He can't wait. He is excited. And Southbound is going to be bringing the Holy Ghost old-fashioned camp meeting. But we have great men of God. I tell you, I cannot wait to hear from each and every one of them. Praise God. But we got to be ready. Are y'all hearing me? Our minds and our spirits have got to be ready. God does not want to send these men of God in here uh, to speak into our lives, and we just don't even appreciate the moment. We've got to appreciate this moment. We need to be praying. We need to be fasting. We need to be encouraging each other, and we need to be taking our praise to the next level. I'm telling you right now, jump around, baby. That's what's about to happen here on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about I saw some folks jumping and moving that didn't even know they could still jump and move praise God and then I saw some people that's young and I mean they ain't nothing wrong with their knees yet ain't nothing ain't got none of them got arthritis and they ain't even moving praise God but I saw some arthritis people jumping I come on y'all here I saw some people that had their knees replaced jumping I saw some people that didn't care how old they were they was jumping oh my God we need a church that's got another level of praise happening in it are you committed to go to the next level church shout amen It's time to tell people about Solid Rock. Tell them about Jesus. Don't you give, don't you twist my word. But they can, they can, they can meet Jesus. They can, they can encounter the presence of God in this house. I love my church. Do you love your church? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 says this. Hebrews 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs, useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessings from God, But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. I'm telling you right now, the writer of Hebrews is tackling some controversial stuff. 
And I'm telling you, if we're going to preach it verse by verse, we can't avoid controversial stuff. I ain't scared. I'm telling you right now, I ain't scared. If it's in the Bible, I ain't scared to preach it. Because I know, I know the Bible is good and true. The Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible is life. The Bible will give you life. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm telling you, a two-edged sword will cut you going in and heal you coming out if you'll let it. Mm-hmm. This is, in fact, this is really amazing when you look at verses 4 through 8. If you go back and look at it with all the semicolons and all the commas, that is actually one verse, one sentence. That is one complete sentence. A never-ending statement defining a doctrine and a topic. There's many different interpretations of these scriptures. Many people have used this to teach doctrines on both sides. One of the very prominent doctrines that, is, that loves to use these passages, not other passages quite frankly, but loves to use these passages here, is those that teach a doctrine called the doctrine of eternal security. What's otherwise known in Alabama as once saved, always saved. Y'all ever heard of that? Say amen. Many of y'all were raised in that doctrine. Many of you may still believe that doctrine. And you know, can I tell you something? I don't, don't matter to me if you do or not. Now I'm going to show you why it don't matter to me if you do or not. It doesn't matter to me if you believe once saved, always saved. It doesn't matter to me that if you believe eternal security or not. Because what I believe has nothing to do with what you believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe. When I get up here and preach, a lot of times if it ain't in the Bible... And it's just my interpretation of it. I try to always say, this is my opinion. This is my personal interpretation. You can interpret Scripture for whatever you want to interpret Scripture. But I want you to see a few things, and I'm going to do a little teaching for the next few minutes. Is that okay? How many, how many is ready for a little bit of teaching? I'll throw a little preaching in there because some of y'all can't do it without preaching. So I'll give you a little bit of preach. But I'm going to do some teaching. I'm going to break the Word of God down. Now, the word impossible is a big word. Impossible, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, become partakers of the Holy Spirit, taste the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Verse 6, if they fall away. So many that believe in the doctrine of eternal security will, and once saved, always say, will, will save, will use this to say, it's impossible for you to have ever known all these things, partake of any of these things, and then fall away and then come back and put Jesus on the cross again and come back through repentance. It's impossible. So therefore, it can only happen one time. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, I'm going to show you some things, and I need you to have an open mind and an open spirit. And when it's all said and done, ultimately, you can still believe whatever you want to believe. That's your life and your decisions. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of these that are called doctrines, some of these uh, uh, doctrinal statements and doctrinal beliefs, some of them we ain't really ever going to know the truth till we get to heaven. Because there's good Holy Ghost people on both sides of some doctrines. Now, you can't be on both sides of what we call the essential doctrines. You can't be on both sides and be okay with the virgin birth. You can't say that somebody actually had sex with Mary and made Jesus and still be okay in the gospel and be a preacher. Because the Bible clearly says she was, he was born of a virgin. So, you can't, so we cannot agree to disagree on that. Are you with me, church? Trying to set the stage here to make a point. We cannot agree to disagree with, on the fact that Jesus himself lived a sinless life and laid down his life and was crucified and died on the cross for our sins. How many of us, we can't debate whether that's true or not, whether that was literal or not, because if you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, there's no way for you to be forgiven of your sins. Amen? So there's no way to agree to disagree that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And lastly, and this is not the only ones, but just setting the stage here, we certainly cannot agree to disagree on the resurrection. 
You cannot say, well, I, you know, listen, I've been enlightened. I'm, I'm, you know, this modern deconstruction movement that people are doing with their faith. Many of them believe that Jesus lived a life, lived a, and died on the cross for our sins. And, and, you know, but they don't necessarily believe in the resurrection. That that was some kind, that's impossible, that's not rational. That doesn't make sense to the mind. So, therefore, it's not possible. You're going to have a hard time believing the gospel if you interpret everything through what is necessarily rational. We either believe it or we don't. I happen to believe it. Are are y'all hearing me? I happen to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and on the third day he came back from the dead. His body was resurrected. He showed himself by many infallible proofs, and 40 days later his feet lifted up off the mountain, and the angel said, Why stand you gazing? For in like manner as you see him go away, he shall come again. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father forever, sinner seating on my behalf, and one day I will see him in his glorified, resurrected form. Do you believe that solid rock church shout amen there's no room to agree to disagree on that but we can agree to disagree on certain doctrinal statements and still fellowship together and still believe that we're going to be in heaven together we call them non-essentials non-essential doctrines that are that have come into the church quite frankly and people have turned them into essentials There are some things that are not essential to your salvation and not essential to your eternity that are things that God spoke through Paul and others that are to help us in our growth and our discipleship that, quite frankly, we're going to have to agree to disagree on. And if if those those non-essentials have become essentials to you and you find out that I don't believe and line up with your non-essential doctrinal and it messes with you that much, I'm not going to preach about it all the time, but, I'm, but I am going to preach that's how I feel, and you need to decide if this is your church or not. It sounds like I keep trying to run people off. I'm not. I don't want to run people off. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you right now that some things I'm going to preach up here and say, even if, even if you know that I'm your pastor, that you're not going to always agree with. Every Listen, there are things that every pastor that I follow and study and listen to on podcasts, I don't agree with everything they say, but I still receive. I said this a few weeks ago. Some of y'all cannot even listen to anything a man of God says. You can't be taught. You, he, God may give them a, a revelation of something you need in your life, and you can't allow yourself to even listen to them because of one doctrinal difference that you have with them. And you're going to take, pastors, don't take God's pulpit. The moments that you have people in the house to listen to you, to tear down another pastor. Thank you, Hutch. I got one person that agrees with me. Don't, don't use God's time. It's, it's, you don't even hardly have their attention but for a few minutes. Don't take that time tearing down another pastor. Take that time to preach the Word of God. Amen. Some people have turned their social media, pastors have turned their social media into nothing but tearing down other pastors. You're losing, you're losing anybody that's really hungry and trying to listen to you. The, the revelation and the anointing that God has given you, you're wasting the opportunity to speak into their lives because 90% of your time is tearing down another pastor. Thank you. It's quiet in here because it's right. So, all that to set up, I want you to know that I do not necessarily, I not necessarily, I do not believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Now, you may, and you know what? It's okay if you do. Here's why, why I want to say it's okay. And I'm going to show you, but before I say this, let me, let me read this other scripture to you. That people, that, that those that believe that don't like this scripture. It is found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 says, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of this world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Watch this. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. 
but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit. And a sow or a pig, having been washed, returns to wallowing in the mire. That's pretty blatant to me. For it would have been better. Listen to the grammar. For it would have been better for them not to ever known the way of righteousness and the holy commandment given unto them than to turn away from it and go back like a dog does to his vomit, like a pig that's cleaned up back to the mud. For the latter is worse. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said somebody can have demons cast out of them and can be delivered, but if they don't clean the house, the demons are coming back, and the condition of that one will be seven times worse than before. Let me tell you something. I remember when I gave my life to Christ and I was born again. But let me tell you, the shame that I had, the guilt that I had, the conviction that I had when I was originally born again, when I first gave my life to Christ, pales in comparison to the shame and the guilt, not brought on by God, but brought on by myself, of when I had to come back to God. Are y'all hearing me? How many's ever lived for God, left God, and came back to God? I'm telling you, there's no brokenness like when you have to admit when you come back to God. Because you know you have known the goodness of God. And you've spent your life running from the goodness of God. Am I preaching right? There's nothing like the, the prayer of repentance of someone who's come back to God. Now listen to me. I know what the scripture says. Let's go back to what Hebrews says. For it's impossible for those ones that were enlightened. Goes ahead If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucified given themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Let me just tell you something right now. You cannot put Jesus back on the cross. In fact, I'm going to say something controversial. I have no problem with the cross being the sign of Christianity because it, it needs to be. Paul said, I care not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But the truth is, we, we go into churches. People have asked me so many times before, why do we not have a picture of Jesus? Oh, this is our fifth building. Why have we never had the picture of Jesus on the walls of any of our buildings? Why is there not a cross behind you? Why is there not Jesus on a cross somewhere? I don't have a problem with that, not to say we'll never have a cross. But can I tell you this? The reason we've never had a picture of Jesus on the walls in any of our five buildings and there's not crosses everywhere is not, let me address the first picture of Jesus. Because if I put a picture of Jesus on here and he looks like he might be white, some folks are going to wonder why we made Jesus white. If we put a black Jesus on the wall, some people are going to wonder why made Jesus black. If we put a Hispanic Jesus on the wall, they're going to wonder why Jesus is a Hispanic. Let me tell you something. You go in a Hispanic house, they've got a picture of Jesus, he usually looks Hispanic. If you go in a black folks house, you, you see a picture of Jesus, he's usually black. If you go in a white man's house and you got a picture of Jesus, he's usually white. How many, how many knows we need to stop trying to make Jesus look like us and start trying to make us look like Jesus? I'm tired of you hijacking what Jesus looks like. Who cares what his skin color was? He came to die for the white folk, the black folk, the brown folk, the red folk, the yellow folk. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. So we don't want to ostracize anybody. Trying to make Jesus look like anybody. Well, what color skin was he? First of all, it shouldn't matter to you, but if you really want to know, he was and is a Jew. And the Jewish skin color is olive. You know how you make the color olive? You take a little black, you mix in a little white, you mix in a little red, you, oh, come on, you mix in a little yellow, you mix in a little brown, and you end up with olive. Slap your neighbor and tell him, ha, Jesus don't look like you. I'm sorry, he don't. He got eyes and a nose and a mouth like you. But I'm telling you, I'm tired of the church trying to make Jesus look like them. And the second thing is this. We got Jesus still on the cross and ain't even where he is. That's where he was. He don't make for cool jewelry. And he don't make for cool steeples. But if we really wanted to have something to be the image of Jesus, it should be a golden throne. Because he ain't on the cross, but he's sitting on the throne. Come on, KB. 
He's sitting at the right hand of God. But it'd look a little weird to pull up on a church and see a chair sitting on top of it. So I get it and I understand it. I'm just trying to make a point how over years and years and years, people make something to be something that it was never intended to be. You can't put him back on that cross. He did it once. He said it is finished. Are you hearing me? So I'm going to say something to you that this is gospel according to Larry. All right, here we go. This is my opinion. I believe that every person that ever is born again is born again one time. took me years to get to where I'm at right now. I believe you are born again one time. I don't believe you get saved every Sunday you come to the altar. I believe that you are born again one time. When you truly for the first time ever confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And everybody believes that. Whether, whatever side of this doctrinal issue I'm talking about your own, they all believe that. Where they, where they differ is what happens after that. Everybody believes we're all born again once. Even those that believe once saved always saved and those that don't believe that. They all believe that we were saved once. But I also believe that God gave us a free will to to decide to serve Him or not to serve Him. And there is a, a, a fellowship of in the house, living among the Father in the house. The great story is the prodigal son. And then there is, there is a life that where you choose to live outside of the fellowship in the house of God. So when you have lived for the devil, you've walked away, you served God, you've lived for the devil, and you went out in the world and you've done everything and you've committed every sin you can imagine. And there, you know, if you looked at your own life and you looked in the mirror, you have to be honest with yourself. You are as far away from living for God as you have ever dreamed you would ever be. Nothing about your life resembles someone who is living for God. But you come back to God, I believe it's like the prodigal son that came home to the father. Notice that he called him still his son. He never stopped calling him his son when he left. So when you, men as are led by the Spirit of God, he's given them power to become the sons of God. So when the Spirit of God moves upon you and draws you to the family of God and you are born again, you become an heir with God, a joint heir with Christ. You become a son or a daughter of God. But you can leave the house. And how many knows when he left the house, he left the protection of the house? Are you hearing me? But the father never stopped calling him the son. But he didn't go get him. He knew that inside the spirit man of the son, he knew that he knew the way back home. And what's the difference from being born in the house and cockiness of being born in the house? Give me my money that I deserve. The prodigal son walks out to the brokenness of when he, and I think it's ironic, that here we are, Hebrews is quoting the Proverbs about the pig returning to the swine. And you see the son coming to himself when he's eating the leftovers after the pigs. And he comes to himself. The Bible says in King James, he comes to himself. The, 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 the Greek interpretation of come to himself is that he changed his mind. Something happened in his soul, man, his mind. The Bible said he changed his mind. He looked at the slop and he remembered his father's house. And when everyone else had forsaken him, he knew the only happiness I ever knew was when I was in the father's house. Look at the brokenness. I'm not worthy to even live in the house. I'm not worthy to even be called his son. I'm, I've committed every sin you can imagine. I will just ask God to let me be a servant, my father to let me be a servant. And I'll, I'll work in the kitchen and I'll serve food to my daddy because I know I'm not worthy to sit at the table. That was his mindset. And that was every one of our mindset when we backslid and walked away from God. Are y'all hearing me? We all felt there's no way 
that I'm even worthy to go back to God. But when we met God, what did he say? What did, when the father saw the prodigal son, he ran to him and kissed him. And he declared, my son who was dead is alive again. Are y'all hearing me? My son who was dead is alive again. Did you hear that? When you leave the father's house, you leave the protection of the father's house. Are you with me? Now I'm going to read something to you if I can find it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. There's a reason people want, why don't you use your Bible anymore? Why do you always use a tablet? Because I cannot see it. I got contacts in. I'll find it. I, can't, I literally cannot see the words in there. What good are these contacts? Now watch, yeah, yeah. If it was large enough for me to see without glasses, it'd be like my mama's old family Bible that used to sit on the coffee table. It'd be about this big and bigger than the whole pulpit. Praise the Lord. I did order me a large print Bible one time because I, I was under conviction. And I thought, I'm, I want to start using the Bible instead of this tablet. And when that thing come in, and I saw how big and thick it was, I was like, no. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. But watch this. So I want to I share something with you that happened to me when I was, hey, y'all just talk amongst yourselves. How are you? Okay, here we go. All right. Okay. Coming back to me. Okay. So this happened to me when, are y'all still with me? Uh, I was in this heavy debate with my aunt who wholeheartedly believes in once saved, always saved. And we were, you ever gotten an argument about the Bible till you almost come to blows? I mean, I've literally almost, back in the early days of my ministry, I would want to fight somebody over the Bible. And I realized that's pretty stupid. Amen? I mean, I'm talking about physically, I wanted to punch some people. Because they won't try to tell me I got a devil because I speak in tongues or whatever. kind. I mean, that's demonic and all this. I was, you better back up talking about the Holy Ghost, I knocked you out. So we're in this heavy debate. I love her, she loved me. She was convinced she was right, I was convinced I was right. And then all of a sudden, this came out of my mouth. And it might have come out of your mouth before, but it helped me on this whole doctrine. Because everything she was saying to me was in Scripture. And everything that I was saying to her was in Scripture. So I, instead of just saying we're going to have to just agree to disagree. This is what came out of my mouth. A young pastor, I'd been pastoring probably a, maybe a year, not even a year. I said, okay, okay. What if, let's just say, what if you are right? 100% right, and this doctrine is 100% right, and I am 100% wrong. She just stuck her chest out and she goes, of course. I said, but what I want you to think about this is this. My doctrine says that I choose to get up every day to serve God. I believe in a pursuit of something called holiness. I believe there is a lifestyle that God has called the believer to live by. I believe there should be something different about the believer. But you're telling me that someone that legitimately got saved in vacation Bible school when they were 10 years old really, truly repented. Because how many knows if you were raised in church, I really, truly went to the altar when I was a kid. It was real to me. It was not motion. I was hungry for God. You're telling me legitimately if someone gave their life to Christ at age 10, 
maybe stayed in church to their early teen years, then rebelled, got out of church, and now they're 50, 60 years old. They've never been in church ever again. They've never touched the, the Word of God. Every other word that comes out of their mouth is F this, F that. They're, they're, they're drug addicts. They've, they've committed adultery. Maybe they're in prison. They maybe have murdered someone now. They, they, maybe they're a Satanist now. But if they genuinely gave their life to Christ when they were a kid, they're good. She got real quiet. I said, if you're right and I'm wrong, then they're okay and so am I. But what if, because I, whether you're right or wrong, whether eternal security is right or not, if I'm living for God and I've turned my, I've turned my back on God and I was saved once, I'm good. If you're right and I'm wrong. But what if you're wrong and I'm right? Now listen to me. This is not a gotcha sermon. And I know there are people that can dissect the Word of God a hundred times more than me that will come after me on this. But here's the reality. Whether you're right or I'm right, I'm good. Because I love the Lord and I'm living my life for Christ. So if what the doctrine of eternal security is an actual truth there, then when I got saved when I was a kid and wore a church of God, I'm good from that. But if it's not the case, when I came back to God in 1988 at an altar at Trafford Church of God, when I'd been kicked out of my house by my mother and I was living homeless in my truck and I had forsaken everything and I ran to the altar as a broken young man having no one, nowhere to live and I was homeless and I fell on my face at the altars and cried out to God to, to Him to take me back and I came back into the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? That was a real moment where my salvation was secured in my heart. Are you hearing me? So the reality is this. Are we preaching and teaching and discipling and equipping people to live for God? Or are we discipling and equipping people to stick a license to sin in their pocket and go do anything they want to do? Is there any wonder why the church doesn't even look like the church anymore? The church has become so worldly and the world has become so churchy you can't tell the two apart. Because there is no pursuit of wholeness in boys getting quiet in here. Some of y'all gonna leave the church over this. I hope not. Because it don't matter to me if you still believe it or not. I'm not gonna judge you because that's not an essential doctrine. The essential doctrine is that you must be born again. So whether you believe one side or the other, we agree on the essential doctrine that is you must be born again. So both doctrines believe in the doctrine of being born again. But if you're in the house of God, and you're coming to church and you're serving God and you still believe the doctrine of once saved, always saved. I got no problem with it because the reality is this. You've not bought in to the extreme part of the doctrine that says you can do anything, live any, anything, hurt anybody, kill anybody, do this, do that, and still be okay. You're not that way because you're in the house of God in a pandemic. So I have no problem if you believe that or not. Are you hearing me, church? All I know is I'm going to go back to this one. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world, that word pollutions is transgressions or sins, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Woo, it's so quiet. It ain't been this quiet on Sunday morning a long time. The book of Revelation in the seven churches of Asia, one of the churches, he says, if you repent, I will not blot your name out of the Lamb's book of life. Meaning, if you don't repent, I will blot your name out. That's what he said. Now, here's what I was looking for. James, the book of James says this. Chapter 1, this ain't, in, this ain't in my notes, it might not be on the screen, that's okay. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted, watch this, when he is drawn away. 
How many knows? Watch this. You're only drawn away from something if you're at a place, you're somewhere at a destination, and you're being pulled away from that destination. Are you hearing me? You're not being drawn to, you're being drawn away from something. Right? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away. Drawn away from the relationship by God. Watch this. Drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Still hadn't left yet. He's just being drawn away. He's being enticed. He has a desire. He's being tempted. Then when the desire has conceived in their heart, it gives birth to sin. Are you all with me? And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. For the wages of sin is... Now watch this. The Bible says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Meaning a child of God is going to still sin. The difference between a child of God sinning and a sinner sinning is the child of God has the Holy Spirit in their life and they know that they are sinning and they are not happy that they are sinning. That's what's called conviction. Huh? How many knows a child of God that's truly saved and truly loves the Lord, if he messes up and does something he knows is not right with God, he is convicted by it. But you are not convicted by your sin before you gave your life to God because you're just doing what sinners do. You're sinning. But years ago, I taught verse by verse like this, the book of James. And when I got to this part in James, I preached a message that I've preached many times. I need to preach it again here at Solid Rock because it's probably been 10 years since I preached it. It's called the seven stages of backsliding. What I just read to you, when you go back and look at it, it says that it says this, that you are tempted, you are drawn away. Your desire, you have a desire, you are enticed, that desire is conceived, then it gives birth to sin, and that sin brings forth death. So before that death, that breaking of relationship with God, you are being drawn away. Everybody is tempted. Uh, Being tempted is not sin. Letting the temptation be conceived and give birth to sin is sin. Oh, this is good preaching this morning. See, the temptation faces everybody. Everybody's tempted. While you're beating yourself up as a child of God, how could I be a Christian and be tempted? That's a lie of the devil. You're human, so you're tempted. Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in all manner of man, yet without sin. Are y'all hearing me? So the temptation is not the sin. It's when you allow the temptation to come into your womb, your heart, and be set down and conceived like a child and then give birth to sin. And sin brings forth death. In other words, you get free. That thing that's gagging in your throat, that sin. You finally throw it up. You finally can breathe again. You finally can swallow again. You finally can eat anything you want to eat. Because that thing that was in your belly that was stuck in your throat, you threw it up. But those that choose to live for the devil in a saved life find themselves just like the prodigal son. Little by little by little, all the friends that you thought you had, they start falling away till you find yourself one day all of a sudden realize what in the world happened to me? How did I get here? How did I get to a pig's trough? Why am I down like a dog on all fours lapping up and eating the very stuff that God just delivered me from? 
I'm a clean little pig now. I can live in the house. I can be, I can be his pet. He can sit beside me, and he can, he can come up and, like A.J. does and come up to my chair. and won't let me do anything unless my hand's on top of his nose and all this kind of stuff. Which, by the way, can I just say something? I'm, I'm trying not to cry. Y'all pray for my A.J. He's, he's, he's got something really going on with him. He's, he's, in, he's in bad physical shape. And uh, I'm worried about him. That's all I'm going to say. I'm worried about my boy. Uh, he, he needs a miracle. I don't know what's going on. I took him to the vet. They don't know what's wrong with him, but he's in bad condition. That's my boy. So y'all pray for my dog. How I many is this okay to pray for dogs and cats and animals? Amen? Because God knows we love them. But he'll just get up there and he'll just put that nose on my hand. So I'm trying to watch the game. Me, me, me. So you got a pig. How many's ever had a pet pig? Anybody? Nobody? I know people have had pet pigs. But you know what? Those, those pigs, they can be pets for a while, but probably going to end up being bacon. But, <clears throat> but, um, but some folks have pigs. You know, they're cute, and, they're, they're, and they let them get big and all this kind of stuff. But the one thing you see about these pet pigs that's different than all the other pigs, they ain't living in slop. They're not covered in mud. They're not letting them roll all over the living room as their pet covered in mud they're cleaned up but a pig is still a pig huh and if a pig gets out of the environment that is keeping them clean mm, that pig will jump right back in the mess they just got out of that's why you need a church. That's why you need a pastor. That's why you need people holding you accountable. Because I don't care who you are. You will go back to the vomit and you will go back to the mud. How do you know that, pastor? Because I went back to the vomit. I went back to the mud. It's good preaching. So, all I'm going to say to finish this whole topic of this doctrine is this. Pastor, do you know that once saved, always saved is wrong? That's a wrong doctrine? Nope. No, I don't know that. And if you think you know that, then I'd like for you to tell me how you know that. Because people that I love and respect greatly are convinced that they know that it is biblical doctrine. You know where I've got to things like that in my life? I say, well, I need to find the place in that doctrine whether, where no matter who's right, I'm good. So here's how I, here's how I came to that. I'm just going to pursue the rest of my life holiness. I'm going to live for God. I know I'm not going to have a life where I don't make mistakes, but if I sin and I mess up, I'm going to repent. I'm not going to be afraid to come to the altar. I'm not going to justify that I'm okay and I don't have to deal with the sin that I just committed. If I sin, I'm confessing that sin. It's not that I'm scared. It's not that I'm living in fear. It's just that I understand that if I try to do it on my own, if I forgive myself once I'll for, for something little, I'll forgive myself again for something bigger. And then I'll forgive myself again for something bigger. And the next thing you know, where I was saying I'm okay because I hit my finger and said a word I shouldn't say, next thing I know, a little bit down the road, I'm okay that I'm talking to a woman that's not my wife. Are y'all hearing me? Next thing I know, I'm texting her in an emotional relationship. Oh, we're not, we've not got physical. This is just emotional. I need some. You will justify and justify and justify and justify. And the next thing you know, can I be really graphic with you? You will wake up next to somebody that's not your spouse because you got high all night long and you don't even know who they are. Or maybe it's somebody that you work with and you're regretting and you're in shame and you wonder how in the world did I get in this pig pit because you have justified yourself and chosen to be God to decide what is forgiven and what is not. You are not God. So you want to be safe? Live for God. You want to walk in joy? Be a child of God every day of your life. Don't just be a child of God on Sunday morning. 
Be a child of God every day of your life. I'm not bragging on myself, but can I just be real with you? Come to my house. I'm going to cut up with you, watch the game with you, laugh with you, might joke around with you. But I'm still who I am right, right now. You meet me at Walmart, you see me at Walmart, we might not talk about Jesus for the brief time that we're there, but you ain't going to see me doing something, saying something. I'm trying my best not to do something and say something that don't reflect Jesus. I want to be every day who I am in this house. Is anybody with me? Say amen. But do you understand that if you go to an extreme and believe that, that anything goes, just as long as you was in church when you was a kid or as long as you are in church, you know, 15, 20 years ago or five years ago that you're good, how many knows you're not going to filter your choices through the Word of God? You will condone. That's what's happened to the church now. Where the church, all they want to preach about is love. They don't ever want to pre- preach about judgment. They don't ever want to preach about sin. People don't want to hear their pastor preach about sin anymore. But it's the one thing we all have in common. We were all born into it and we deal with it every single day. Do you not want that to be addressed? So make a confession over your life right now. Just say this. With every part of me, I determine. And I confess over my life, I will strive to the best of my ability and by the power of the Holy Spirit to live my life for Jesus and not justify or condone sin in my life. Come on, give the Lord a praise right now. I'll just read this verse and close. Verse 9. But, beloved, we are confident of better things. Better things. Somebody say better things. Better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Better things that accompany salvation. Salvation is not the destination. Salvation is the starting point for the child of God. It is not the end. Everything doesn't end at salvation. Everything that God has for us begins at salvation. Better things. That, that, that life where Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly comes after salvation. There's a lot of people that are saved. Their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but they are miserable. They are depressed. They are struggling in every aspect of their life. So the abundant life is not just that you're saved. The abundant life comes in your life once you are saved based on your pursuit, your obedience. See, you want God to give to you financially, but you don't want to give. But the process is a process of exchange. It doesn't say, I'll give to you because you're my child of God, therefore then you'll be able to afford to give. No, it says, give, and and it shall be given unto you. Sow, and you shall reap. Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. It's a process of exchange. God has all of these amazing things for us. But he says, come and get it. Come and get it. You can can be wallowing. I love that word, talking about pigs. You can be wallowing in the favor of God, sitting right next to somebody who is literally dried up and ain't got nothing going on in their life for God, in the same house, during the same song. Be worshiping God, pursuing God in the presence of God, standing right next to somebody going, man, I don't know what happened to this church. I used to feel the presence of God when I came here. I'm going to tell you something. It ain't what happened to the church. It's what happened to you. It's decisions. You've lost your first love. You've, you've, you've lost your passion for God. The things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget 
your work and labor of love, which you have sown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of, watch this, of hope until the what? Say it loud, until the what? Oh, it's not up there, sorry. thought it was up there. Until the end. Until the end. Hebrews 6, verse 9 through 12. That you do not become sluggish. Mm-hmm. But imitate those things through faith and patience. Inherit the promises. God said this thing called Christianity is a journey. It is not a destination. It is a starting point. And when you were born again, there's all kinds of things. You, you, the, how many when you was first born again? I mean, you, you want to get the whole world saved in a day. Everywhere you went, every, everything was light and rainbows and everybody was awesome and you loved everybody and you forgave everybody and you'd go through the line at Walmart. Hey, thank you. Here's the money. Do you know Jesus? Can I pray with you, sister? Hey, do you have, do you have these in size 12? And do you need a miracle? I mean, but you know what happens to that person? You know where, where people lose their passion? A lot of them don't lose their passion because they just lost their passion. This is sad. They start spending time around church folk. And church folk sucks the life out of them. Hmm? If you could bottle up that energy that you had when you was born again and keep it, you'd win your whole community to Jesus. But you start hanging around folks that's struggling and they ain't happy until you start struggling. Right? People that are still praying for a miracle don't want you to get their miracle, your miracle before they get their miracle so they get you to come to their prayer meeting so y'all can all pray for the same miracle. But when you get your miracle and you drive up in that new vehicle or you got that promotion or you got that husband or you got that wife, come on, somebody, and they're still struggling and waiting, they don't want you at their prayer meeting anymore. That's another sermon. He says, I won't forget. I want you to know that God will not forget your work and your labor of love. Which you, watch this, which you have shown towards his name. Watch how you show your love to God towards his name by ministering to the saints and do minister. See, here's how you show God your passion. Here's how you stay accountable serve when you crucify your flesh and you give of your time to someone else not expecting anything in return that's how you walk in favor God is not going to forget your labor that's what he said and then he says and do this to the end I've been on the deathbeds. I've prayed at the deathbeds of people who were bitter and angry and never served God and hated God. I, I, one of the most tragic things in my life is I've probably five or six people in my life, I've stood at their deathbed on their, on their dying moment, watched them die, and looked at them and said, Brother, sister, no matter what you've done, even at this moment, God can forgive you of every sin. You can be assured of your eternity. Will you just pray this prayer with me? No. I don't believe in your God. That was our last word. I had one guy look at me. And he didn't say these words. You ever heard somebody say, not no, but mm, no. That's what he said to me. On his deathbed. His last words. Sad. I've also been on a deathbed, people, and some of you have, where the last words were things like, serve God. They've loved their life. They've lived their life for God. And they, but I'm here, son. I'm here, son. I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. Never stop going for the Lord. Never stop serving the Lord. That's a legacy, man. That's somebody that's serving God to the end. That's what I want to be. I want to be serving God to the end. I don't know what my future holds. I don't know how long I've got. 
listen to people that come way too early, way too early. An area that we've lost in this building, this church. But they are outliving their life because they love God to the end. They love God to the end. Even through cancer, their bodies are just being shriveled up. They love God to the end. People that's battling dementia, Alzheimer's. I want to say something. If you have family members that are battling that, because I have family members. My mother battling and is in full-blown dementia in the natural. They may still be breathing in the natural. And they're still alive. That means there's still hope. And when you hear the words come out of their mouth, it don't sound like the life that they lived. Don't believe that lie. That's not who they are. Their bodies are still here. Their mind is somewhere else. But you know that person's life. The mama that I remember is not the mama that doesn't know me. The mama that I remember is the mama that kissed me and loved me. the mama that I'll always remember no matter what happens I'm still believing God for a miracle for my mama no matter what happens in the end I know how she lived her life she raised me in church I'd go in at her job when she's working seven days a week I'm serious seven days a week she'd leave and go to church and sometimes go back to work and on the days that she didn't work on Sunday she's working six days a week for probably 20 years no off day I'd walk in there to that pharmacy where she'd work from a kid all the way up to a teenager to a young adult she'd run that cash register in between customers she'd open up her Bible and she'd read the Bible and as I'm walking in my office in my house yesterday Notice that my mom, my, my, excuse me, my wife had taken my mom's Bible that she had had for years and years and years and was falling apart. And she had placed it on my shelf in my office. And I saw it. I didn't even know she had done it. So I got the legacy of my mama sitting on my shelf. She's the one that told me, don't ever stop living for God. When I was not living for God, she was still praying for me. Mamas, daddies, grandmas, grandpas, don't stop praying for your kids because they may be eating from the pig trough, but they ain't gone yet. There's still hope for them to change their mind. I'm going to tell you something. I said this not long ago. I'm going to say it again. I feel led to say it to somebody right now. I don't care how old your kids are, and I don't care how old you are, and I don't care when you got saved and when you got on fire for God, and they may be grown and already had children before you ever even got saved. They are still your children, and you still can speak into their lives, and you can still claim that promise. Raise a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they shall not depart from it. You can start speaking into their lives right now. and You may see them come to glory while you're here, but they may come to glory after you're not here anymore. But you can claim and declare right now by living your life for God. Let them see something different about you. Don't let them see you living a life of compromise this moment and then I'm going to close by saying this it's so powerful it says don't allow yourself to become sluggish sluggish means this and this will be the last thing I say it is defined in the original as dull it implies the loss of vision passion and energy three words down the Strong's Concordance it also simply means stupid. It literally says that. I laughed out loud when I read that. Stupid. Don't allow yourself to be stupid. The world is trying to make you stupid. To believe things that you know are not true. 
wake up. Wow, what a day. I can tell y'all enjoyed this day. I stepped on some toes. But I love you. You still love you, Pastor? Hallelujah. Come on, praise the Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, don't forget, look before I pray this prayer, if you want to join our church, I'll meet you in the cafe, 101. Come on in there. You can join our church to start the process of serving in the house. Father God, right now, if there's anyone in this place that doesn't know you as their Savior, we've preached about it today. Maybe they've never confessed you as Lord and Savior, and they need to be born again in this house. Or maybe they have. They've allowed the cares of this world to pull them away. They have backslidden. They've been drawn away and enticed by their own lust. It's conceived sin and it's given birth to death. But Lord, no matter where they're at, no matter how far they've walked away from you, you'll always walk out every day and look for the prodigal son. You'll always accept them and restore them immediately where they were. There's no judgment in you, God. You'll take them back just as they are. If that's you, either one of those are you. Whether you want to be born again or rededicate your life, I'm going to do it different today. Right there where you're at, I just want you to stand up. Just stand up boldly. You're going to pray right there where you're at. Stand up boldly. Thank God for these people that are standing up. Who else is going to stand up? Who else is going to stand up and say, I'm about to repent. I'm coming back, Jesus. I'm coming back. Is there anybody else? Thank you. They're still standing. My God, I love this. This is kingdom. My God, they're still standing. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Still, They're still standing. Oh, my God. This is revival, y'all. If you need to repent of some things, stand now. Stand. Having done all, stand. Stand. Jesus. Jesus, they're still standing. My God, my God, they're still coming up. They're still standing. They're, they're still standing up, y'all. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. Thank you, God, for people obeying you, God. Right now, God may be moving on you to stand still still stand. There's 22 people right now already standing. You know what that means? That means there's at least 22 people that are being real with God right now and with themselves. They came into this house in the middle of all of this worship. They have shouted. They have danced. They have shouted their pastor down. And there are secret hidden things that they're still dealing with. Can I tell you what that does for me? And I hope it does it for you. It lets me know. It, it blesses me to know that I'm not the only one that's struggling with things. I'm in a church full of people. We have leaders that are standing here right now. And we don't judge them for that. We thank God that we have leaders that understand I need to deal with this. Is there anybody else? Three seconds. Three, two. Everybody in this church to pray this prayer. And these that are standing, that is a bold act of faith that you just did. It takes guts to do what you just did. I honor you. I'm proud of you. And more than anything, the Father, our God, is excited to see you stand. I want you to know at the amen of this prayer, your words are not just words that will bring forgiveness. Your words that are coming out of your heart will bring restoration. Like the prodigal son when he came home, the father put the robe on his back, new shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger, created a party. He was so excited for the decision that his son had made to come home. That pales in comparison to how excited he is about your decision. All of heaven rejoices every time this happens. So if you're standing, church that are not standing, you pray with them. But I want those that are standing to say it boldly. Say it like you know that your God that you are standing for is really listening to you and is going to forgive you. Let's all say it together. Father God, 
in the name of Jesus. I stand because I have sinned. I have done some things that I'm not proud of. You are convicting me by your spirit, and I am thankful that in this moment, I am moved by your spirit, and I know there is no judgment. There is only love from you. You are going to forgive me because that is who you are. So, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of every sin I have ever committed. I confess you and you alone as my Savior. I believe my sins are forgiven, and I am a child of God. From this day forward, I will live and I will pursue a life of holiness and the life you have for me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great day today.